0: coming in June. Hi, it's Dr. G. And after two plus years and about 140 episodes of hosting the Menopause Movement podcast, I've had a revelation. You know, this podcast is about more than just menopause. We talk about mindset, building wealth, creating habits, discussing life hacks, and so much more. So it's time to move forward from menopause and into being more. As you've probably heard me say many times, menopause is not a medical condition that requires treatment. It's the privilege of a long life and it gives us the opportunity to launch something new. To that end, I wanna help in more ways than just menopause. Welcome to the Launch Your Life with Dr. G Podcast. It's the only mindset podcast that provides weekly actionable insights for lasting happiness and change specifically created for high achieving professionals who are ready to bounce back and prevent burnout. We're still going to have awesome guests. We'll still talk about the menopause things that, that women want to know about, but we're going to focus on mindset Now, why you might be asking. You know, because we live our entire lives in our minds, and the faster and more efficiently we can make it a happy place, the better our lives will be. Life is a series of adventures, and we can launch our next phase and create 1% improvements together. I'm honored to be on this journey with you. And I can't wait to bring you all of the awesome guests for this new podcast. well welcome back to the menopause movement podcast we've got deirdre Fay joining us today deirdre is a licensed clinical social worker the author of attachment-based yoga and meditation for trauma recovery co-author of attachment disturbances in adults i didn't get a chance to read it i got a chance to skim it and it looks very very intense it's a, it's a psychology textbook, which is, which is in and of itself uh, a, a chore uh, for me anyway. <laughs> and, uh, well, I tried and, to simplify yeah. yeah. And then, uh, the author of a becoming self Sa- safely embodied skills manual. She's, uh, let's see what else we have here.
1: Well, the BSE, the becoming safely embodied skills are now used around the world by individuals and, uh, groups and therapists and teachers, they're just really succinct, little, simple skills to help people actually live in their body instead of just thinking about their lives that's, and getting caught in the ruminations.
0: Oh, that's great. So a couple other things, the book, the book, uh, Attachment Disturbances in Adults won a bunch of awards. I saw that on, um, <clears throat> on Amazon and it was like in, in 2017 or something, it won like the highest award that you can get in a textbook, right? right. right yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And in the field of trauma and attachment. Right? In the field of trauma and attachment. So, so this is interesting. Simple skills. So, one of this book is used to help people get some tools to manage their trauma and their wounding and to live in their skin. And that's, that's an interesting thing because I have, I have a, some trauma in my background that we can get into. She lived for six and a half years in a yoga ashram where she learned the profound practices of uh, meditation and body presence. And that's, uh, that's cool. So Deirdre, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. I'm just trying to see if there's anything else we want to say. Uh, she marries contemporary thought with ancient wisdom traditions and allows people to access what feels true to them while having harmonious relationships. And she's got a quiz that you can take. It's called What's Your Relationship Profile? And we'll link that up in the show notes. So um, I'm excited to have you here. It's uh It's, it's, this is really, really great because, you know, we're, we're women going through menopause. And one of the things I think that happens to us as we age and go through menopause is we start to get to a point of like, is this all, I was talking about this on one of my Facebook lives recently, is this all there is and what's next for me? And that was, you know, something that happened for me. And when I, one of the stories I like to tell people is I, I had spent all this time and energy getting through my surgical residency and it was like the main focus and even like the energy healers would come to me and say man you've got a horn in the front of your head because you know because i was um i was just really focused and when i started my practice i i remember there was a distinct i have this emotional memory of just sitting in my office saying well i'm not happy it didn't it didn't happen why why am i not happy and is this all there is And, um, and so helping to find meaning was, was really important for me. In terms of relationship and attachment, I'd like to hear from you, like what, what that means, especially since, you know, like, like many of us, by the time we've reached this age, we've been through at least one divorce and some multiple divorces or multiple relationships. I'd like to, I'd like to hear from you about, about let's, let's, let's start with, with uh, how you got, how you got into attachment and what that means.
1: It's a big subject, so let me condense. So when I was living at the yoga, yoga ashram, it was such a safe environment. It was a, it was a wonderful cocoon of safety, living with all these people, 300 and some odd people uh, in a really safe environment, doing a lot of spiritual practice. And during that time, it's just what spiritual practices are supposed to do. They opened up all that was unfinished in me. And that uh. has to me, my own trauma history, which I had kind of, uh, compartmentalized off, dissociated from it, didn't really think about its impact on me. So that just came flooding to the surface and so that became my work. I started looking at this and working and went to school, then worked with Bessel van der Kolk in his clinic. How do you put all these great wisdom, tradition, practices into experience when your your body is shot and you're overwhelmed and you're triggered all the time? And so I really started working at that really basic level.
0: And then I hey, wait, wait, wait. What? What basic level? I'm I'm already lost. So, oh,
1: uh-huh, good for <laughs> me to slow down. So, and this doesn't have to be from a trauma trigger. Whenever we're triggered, what happens? Our whole body goes through, right, and we're lost in it. We're completely captivated by what that trigger is.
0: So, so let's just talk about triggers for a second because I, I like this is
1: like here. well, it's
0: almost like a new a new concept for me and. Come, I think. Michelle? How come it's a new concept? Yeah. Tell me about um. That. Because I've I never really heard that term. So maybe it's a maybe it's a big term in the psychology circles, and I think it's also big now with millennials. It's a big. It, you know, you hear it you hear it from the millennials, and I can think of many instances where I was triggered and reacted inappropriately because one of the ways that I managed my own trauma was to not you know not to uh, trust anyone and to always push people away and and then if i felt threatened at all i would just i would just lash out right that was that was one of my my th- and 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 as i've grown up i've i've realized that but it took me i mean you know i <laughs> almost lost my job when i was a resident because i because i i didn't know how to interact with people mm-hmm. you know so so this is like you know going back to the the trauma of my childhood and not really learning the the coping skills that that were necessary and, and it's probably, it's probably common, you know, and, and not, and, and, you know, thankfully I got to a place where I had the luxury to do some self, you know, introspection uh, where a lot of women may not have that because we're, st- you know, many, many people are still in survival mode, even, even into menopause. So, so just to talk about, you know, what a trigger is, I mean, let's just define that to start.
1: Okay. Well, the trigger can be two things. It can be, you're either overreactive, like lashing out or you're collapsing in and withdrawing. Okay. And that's where the beautiful connection between attachment theory is because attachment styles are based, I hate to say it, just on those very simple things. If you have a safe enough relationship, you're going to feel safe to go out into the world because you know that when something happens, because something will happen, that you have safe people to return to that are going to be soothing and reassuring and calming and let you know the world's okay. So that's a basic of a secure attachment. What the research shows across the Western world is that one out of four people has a secure attachment. Well, what does that mean? That means that the rest of us don't.
0: So, all right. So let's define secure, secure attachment. Come
1: back to it. Well, what I say is that there are seven fundamental attachment needs. Okay. Knowing that you're safe, knowing that you're safe with other people, safe in your own skin. So that's one. Feeling, knowing that you can be Get reassurance and calming. Having somebody attuned to you, knowing that you can attune to other people, be aware of them. It's an empathic skill. Being able to be empathic and attuned to your own inner what's going on inside your own body, Mm -hmm. instead of avoiding it. Knowing about guidance and mentoring. Being able to have somebody who can take you through small, simple steps. Being able to be able to be with conflict and repair the conflict so the relationship gets stronger over time and doesn't fall apart. An ease of well-being in the body or with people or with life, um, not taking life personally. These are all some of the simple attachment needs that we all have. And if we don't have them met, that's where things get messy. When when things don't get repaired, we get disrupted inside. Now, it, it's one thing for you and I, menopausal women, right, To to be able to think about things and reflect on it. But if you're a youngster and these attachment styles are laid down before we're three years old, before we have uh, capacity to narrate our life, it's just a felt experience. So when it's laid down that low, that young, then it gets encoded as body memory, a mm-hmm. felt experience and not, it's not cognized. And so one of the things that happens is as we're growing up, We kind of push away all those sensations that don't make sense or we don't know what to do with or are overwhelming, and we build a self on top of that. But then we feel split inside. We're like, why? Why is this happening? How come life doesn't fit the way I want, right? Yeah. Part of what you're describing, what I describe, it's just life. And so part of our task is being able to be attuned to ourselves so that we can make sense of our inner world and put the pieces back together and then choose how we want to be in this in this life, in this time, in this relationship. And that's what gets complicated. But if, we, if I'll draw you a little, if we think about triggers, this is what seems to make the most sense for people. So here we are in, say, 2019. We all have memories. Now, this is not how memory is actually encoded in, in the mind or in the body, but here we are doing a regular thing. And we've got all the stored stuff now. Some of this stored stuff is really highly charged, and so when we're here and somebody says, "Gosh, Michelle, why, why did you do that?" and you have as much as hard as you work, a lot of stuff down here in the past that's like charged. When this happens in 2019, it's going to immediately associate, in not even nanoseconds. Yeah. And so quick. With this, and it's. <clears throat> so charged and unable to be contained. This is going to pop in to, you know, the word sounds, it explodes into this present moment in 2019. And we think it blows up in 2019 and we're no longer thinking, oh, there's a nice past experience. No, mm-hmm. It's all happening now and we get
0: crazy. Does this, Why? so are you saying that, that, okay. So just, just so I understand. Are you saying that that this can be something that we've hidden from ourselves? That all of a sudden we're mem- remembering uh, because of uh, some sort of a an experience that uh, you know obviously triggers it, but brings something that's been really really pushed down into the surf up to the surface? Is that what you're saying is happening? And so, what was something that maybe our psyches have pushed down as a as a protection mechanism, and then all of a sudden? either through a, a positive where, where we've been working like what happened with you at the ashram or through a negative, somebody pushing us in a way that's uncomfortable, these memories are coming up. Is it always, is it always memories or can it be?
1: Well, it's <coughs> we, we, we think about memories as something that we can cognize and understand, but what if it's just like this felt oozing, mm-hmm. you know, this like sense of like, I have a lot of people say, I wake up in the morning and I'm um, really anxious or depressed. But why? When you wake up in the morning, there's nothing has changed. Right. Except that you're tapping into a state. So often it's really helpful for people to reflect on what was, what, when you're waking up in that state, what's that anxiety? You have to link it back. You have to, uh, you have to, it's like a big puzzle piece. Sure. You have to sure. together. How, where does this, where would this have felt like this before? In the morning. In the more, usually it's, it, there's some similarity, but sometimes it doesn't have to be. But I you see.
0: Have,
1: you have to play around in the field, and it's, it's more of an art than a science. It's not like there's anything specific, but something will rise to the surface.
0: I see.
1: Now, not to go too far off track, but this is where the beautiful intersection with the ancient wisdom traditions are, is because they say that consciousness is clean and clear, but that we have these imprints on us. And what we're imprinted with stays with us, and it stays with it as a thought, a body sensation, um, an interaction of some kind. So so that's in the spiritual world. But if we think about it from an attachment perspective, if somebody has a a mother or father or caregiver that doesn't attune to them and lets them cry by themselves, that leaves an impression in our system. And it's out of those simple little things that we build what's called a representation. It's how we then see the world. And that lens that we see the world then um, kind of predetermines how our relationships in life will be. And the research is that for uh, many teenagers, I think it's 77% of teenagers, those early attachment representations, those impressions on our system, actually live out later in life like 77 percent. if you have this Uh, attachment you're going to have that later in life unless you change it
0: right right but that that requires that requires some some deep inner work to change it
1: yeah i i guess that's true i i want to say i I want to avoid the word deep only because i don't want it to make it so scary for people it's sure it
0: it is it's a process and it is a, a system but we can change yeah well, so, so I just want to make an example. So one of the things I learned, actually, I was at one of the James Wedmore's uh, conferences uh, back in April. And one of the things that he said really, really struck me, you know, and it was, if you, if you were traumatized as a child and you're still living as a victim, are you going to let a child run your life for the rest of your life? And I, I was like, you know, and, and I had worked, I mean, I was, I was really brutally sexually traumatized as a child. And, um, and I've talked about this a lot and, and, um, in my Facebook lives and it's going to come out in my, in my uh, memoir that's, that's hopefully going to come out in May. But it, and it's, I was brutalized. It was so brutal that I, there's a whole year of my life. I don't remember. I actually have a physical memory of waking up and, and fifth grade. And so what, what I find, uh, fascinating about that was that, you know, I worked through it and I realized that, you know, one of the main things for me was forgiveness and the that forgiveness was for me, you know, and and it didn't matter, you know, what those other people, whether they accepted my forgiveness or not, that that I was going to get free of them from that. But it's easy to kind of get stuck in this whole feeling of, uh, uh, you know, victimhood and think that, you know, you're doing, I, I, like, I was like, I'm doing this because this, 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 and this happened to me when I was little. And to to get to a point where like you know what I'm responsible for my own actions. It has nothing to do with what that this guy or that guy or maybe that priest I, I don't remember um, did to me. It has to do with you know how I just choose to take my life going forward. Right. Um, and and what's really funny, um, you know, I'm a surgeon, right? I have a surgical practice. I employ three other surgeons besides myself and a support team of about seven or eight. Uh, maybe more. And, um, I've always felt like a chronic underachiever. (laughs) So this, this is, I'm probably a perfect, perfect candidate. It's
1: down in here.
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: And what happens is we don't link these two together, you know? So we live these, what I call parallel lives. here. You're doing all what you're doing. Pretty amazing stuff. And here it's like, Oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Run it. This part is living this way instead of interacting, and so the task really is: how do we stay here, access this, dip our toe into this, make sense of it, and help this part see through eyes, our eyes here, and that that starts changing things.
0: Right. So, so when you do it's that, hard. so that's is that, and that's what you do through your programs.
1: That's what I do with everything. That's what I do with myself. It's a constant. Practice because we're retraining, and this is what I love about the wisdom traditions. They talk about training the mind, not just the mental mind, but the heart mind. Right,
0: you know, right.
1: To move in the direction we want to go, rather than being overwhelmed
0: by it. So, so would you say that that one of the key components to getting, I guess, free of triggers or 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 understanding um, ourselves is like some sort of a spiritual practice?
1: I think I don't, from my point of view, there's not much difference between life and spiritual practices. You know, okay. Life is exactly this. Life is, in yoga, we talk about how there's, I mean, what has an acorn turned into an oak tree, right? It's that life force energy. Mm-hmm. So that life force energy is streaming through us all the time. It has no choice. That's what it does. Right. But it hits up against these blocks, these little, what I call time capsules in us. So when, when we get activated inside, we're getting hit with, in yoga we call it a samskar. The life force is coming up and hitting the samskar, and the life force's only goal is to bring us freedom, to bring us home to ourselves. So that life force is coming up and hitting the samskar, and saying, honey, I I just want to clean this out of the way. I want you to be free. But we're in that samskar, in that one, we're like, (laughs) ah!
0: <laughs> I'm I'm certain that many many of my of my followers will, will will relate to that because it's so easy to it's no it's just so easy to yeah I mean life life happens and it can be so messy you know and then we go ah, and so we push up against it and, and the thing is is that you know I do talk a lot so so I had this whole period in my life where I was like atheist slash agnostic and uh, last year or the year before I read autobiography of a yogi. cool! And it changed everything for me. And so now, I mean, like, I don't know if you've seen my Facebook lives, but I've put, so I'm going through the self-realization fellowship lessons and I get one of these every two weeks. And, uh, this, this one, this, this is lesson six and it's all about movement to like get the life force going. And it's like, like 36 or 38 movements that like are supposed to help move the energy. I don't know. I, I, I you know whatever but but what I find <laughs> no, whatever it's really it can be really powerful yeah yeah but what I find really fascinating for me is that, you know, I've never really liked yoga. I think yoga hurts. You know, I've got, I, I, I'm overweight, so I've got a big belly. I have to breathe against it. And, and it's frustrating, you know. And and so so it, it's interesting to hear Yogananda talk about this Kriya yoga, right? Like, what is that? What is that? I want to know that. I want to have that connection with God so that, you know, and not not so much that I want to have superpowers because I don't care about superpowers. I just want to feel secure. Exactly. And so what I do.
1: And at ease.
0: Yeah. And so what I do in my, in my meditation is I'm like, okay, God, reveal yourself. And so the other day I I had a brief glimpse and it was really weird. I was like, my eyes were closed and all of a sudden it was like looking through, uh, you know, like a, a forest of bamboo into a light. And it was like that. And then I came right back because I was like, Oh, what is that? Right. You know, so, so it, it, but, but the point is, and this is what I, you know, I try to tell people is like, you know, a spiritual practice is going to set you free. And, and even if you don't believe, even if you don't believe in God or a super force or something, there is energy. And we know that quantum physics explains that we're, you know, we're, everything is constantly moving and all we, if we can get into the right vibration, anything is available to us. Right. And and so, you know, what I what I like to say is if you don't believe in a God or or a supreme being or energy, whatever, if you just sit for 20 minutes with your eyes closed and focus on your breathing, everything is going to calm down for you. It doesn't matter because it's going to it's going to, you know, get your nervous system better, you know. So so I guess the next question I would have for you is, you know, how do we how do we look at our you know, I mean, we've talked about triggers now. So let's, let's talk about what are, I guess, attachments, right? So, so attachments, I mean, are you talking about like, you know, the, the two, you know, the, the two phases of separation where we're really attached to our parents and then, or.
1: No, when we talk about attachment representations, uh, the research, and this is like the gold standard everywhere is um, that there are four main attachment styles and one is a secure, you know, where think about it you can just let life roll off your back you're at ease in the world you feel secure in yourself um then there's the ones that the attachment style that i call permeable. in the literature we call it anxious or preoccupied it's all about i got to figure out what's going on out there so that i work it out make it all okay out there so that i feel good in and the- that's like
0: the control freak
1: well, they can be. We can control in many different ways. I can try to control you out there and control the circumstances of life out there because I don't feel safe inside myself. Okay. The other style would be somebody that's dismissive, or uh, we call it more contained. Somebody that's like, okay, I'm not going to get involved. I've got, I'm okay by myself. I don't need anybody. I'm fine. Um, but what that person loses out on is the interconnection, you know, the relationships. And for some reason, this person keeps pushing people away and people get upset or feel rejected or dismissed or made wrong. So those are the two extremes. And then there's a thir- uh, fourth style called the disorganized attachment, which is all over the place. It can be multiple things. And what we also see is depending on where you are on the spectrum, this part here might be dismissive. And this part here might be anxious. So it depends on what part is taking over the scene. Sure. Now some of us have a more predominant style, and some of us have um, a mixture. The whole idea of being free is being able to stay more in 2019 or this current present moment, being able to say, like, wow, look at how that part is like taking over the show here. Man, is this what I want? Who do I want to be right now?
0: Okay. Yeah. So so we talk a lot about um you know, how you can't fail the present moment, you know, how, how the, in this yeah, if, you know, you cannot fail now, you know, you can, there's, there's things are going to happen, you know, they're good things or bad things. We don't know, but if you can stay and it's hard, you know, every once in a while you can get, you get into this flow where you can be present and then it's, and then, and then what happens is you can actually learn to become the observer, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, the, the Michael Singer book, right? Have you read it? Um, yeah, he taught
1: us back in the day. The <laughs>
0: Untethered Soul, you know, right. like who, who, who is listening to the voice, right? And, um, and so, it, it, and, and Adi Ashanti, who, who wrote a book called um, uh, Pure Meditation, right? True, true meditation. And when you, when you really get down to what, what it is, it's just like awareness, Right. and that's our connection with the cosmic consciousness and then and then it starts to get really weird and and then I start to feel like oh I'm thinking um like a philosopher and I don't like how I feel when I you know when I think that way so um but yeah it's it's a it's a really it's a really interesting place to be in 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 trying to understand ourselves right i mean that that's what this is all about i mean we're we're all in a in a place where you know we come from wherever we come from into these bodies and the goal is to, you know, kind of reconnect with God. At least that's what Yogananda said, right? You know, we're, we're, we're on this, this quest to reconnect with God. And if we want to do this self-discovery, getting to a point where we can see what all these things mean. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense at all? Okay.
1: You know, to go back to your meditation where you saw this light and then you pulled back, yeah. well, practices, spiritual practices are all designed to do is to ease ourselves and calm our system so that when we reach those moments, we, instead of retracting, freezing, we go into it. Yeah. And that going into it is the process of letting go over and over and over again in our daily life so that when that happens, we can be one. Yoga is about becoming one. With all that is, yeah, I was like, how can we sink into that moment?
0: Yeah, it was it was really um, different, and and I think because I was like, one of the things that Yogananda says in the very first lesson, he says, you know, you need to go after God like a drowning man goes after a buoy, right? Reveal yourself, reveal yourself, and so then I finally, it was like, oh, I finally got it. Ah! (laughs) It's it's like a trigger. You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, I was super, super religious as a teenager. I I was like in the born again Christian, you know, um, thing. And, and, um, we, in the eighties, it was really weird because we, we would like pray for people. And then like, I had, my phone was disconnected from the wall and was still ringing. And we had some really like weird supernatural stuff happen back in the eighties. And, um, and, and it's funny because my friend Naomi, uh, said, you know, I wanted an explanation for those times because it was, I mean, it was like really weird, psychically, spiritually strange times. And then I kind of let it all go because I had to come to grips with the fact that I am a lesbian. And when I was in the, when the Christian religion, you know, I was w- with them, you know, that was not okay. And I actually did, I went through a whole ex gay, you know, thing. And, um, it was you know, but it was it was really a hard lesson for me to to have to go through and that, and so I, I kind of rejected all Christianity because of this belief that the Christians put, but now that I understand a little bit better that religion is really the the people trying to control other people, and it isn't really the spiritual person, you wow. know so so what else what else can we can we how can we help? You know, if somebody's like noticing that they're getting triggered and maybe not necessarily through a, you know, a meditation, but maybe by through an interaction with their spouse or something, how, how can we help them improve their relationship?
1: Gosh, there's so many steps that one is being able to step back from the moment, you know,
0: be the observer.
1: Yeah. Just, I can remember once being really triggered and walking for an hour, just saying this I'm just triggered. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Just naming it. We know from the research that being able to name something, we call it mindfulness as well, it helps uh, externalize and create calmness. So just being able to name it. Okay, I'm triggered. Don't make it about the content. Just say, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Take a break. Let your nervous system calm down. Mm-hmm. Do any kind of technique. Go for a run. Take a deeper breath. You know, punch a bag. Whatever helps you, just diffuse your energy. That's key step away from it it's not about now and one of the things i say to people if it's this bad now just imagine what it was like back then when that activation that representation was imprinted on you that you're feeling it now when you have all the resources and capabilities you do now but you you didn't have it back then so you're getting a glimpse a tiny little window into how bad it was for us back in the day and why we had to shut it all down mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That,
1: that brings in a lot of self-compassion it's like oh my god
0: yeah
1: so that brings perspective and all these things help to slow down the trigger and give some room and then if you can you can talk about it but if you can't take some time write about it draw about it um dance it out try to what is it in there That's creating havoc. It's not about there as much. We only want to make it out there. We have all the, our favorite tendencies, blaming, criticizing, judging, every, everything's wrong out there, but the reality is it's in here. That's activation.
0: Right. Well, I think also, I think also one of the, one of the big techniques and and something that has really helped me is to realize that those are just thoughts, right? Those are not our identity. They're not who we are. And I like to tell my, my uh, followers and people that one of the, one of the best techniques is something that I learned from Sri Kumar Rao, which is the pause. And it's just 10 deep breaths. Right. So when, when you start to feel that coming on, you take 10 deep breaths. And what that's going to do is it's, it's just going to calm your nervous system and give you a break. Right. You know, but we talk a lot about, about identity and who we really are. And, um, you know, if, if, and, and what, what happens is we're so body centric and we're so mind centric. And once we start to realize that there's more than just the, the thoughts that we have and the, and the body that we are, then, um, then we can, we can move forward. And, and, you know, when, when you have a belief, a belief is just a sentence that you say over and over and over in your head. Right. And, um, and once, once we realize that, that everything that we believe can change, It's just a story.
1: Right.
0: Um, And, and, and I, and what, what happened for me and one of the things that was very helpful for me was that, okay, so I was a little girl and I was abused and that little girl did whatever she could to protect herself. Right. But that's not me now. And that, and I don't have to work from that hurt little girl because now I'm an adult who can see it objectively. Now, I'm not going to say that I don't suffer from it because, you know, when, when, you know, with sexual abuse, it's, it's hard to have a normal adult sexuality, you know, life when that happens, but, but some people get through it, but, but so I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm through it all because, you know, I'm, I've got stuff to work on too. I'm never, it's never going to go away, but, um, but I can at least see it as, you know, that little girl did whatever she could to stay away. And, and what I find really fascinating is that the whole idea was to push down my spirit. I had, okay. I had so much spirit. I was always so, you know, as the one who got back on the horse, I was the one who got up when you pushed me down. And it's almost, I don't know, you know, I wonder who I would be if it hadn't happened because I have so much tenacity and so much perseverance. That, you know, I will, I will work at anything until it's done. I will just, I, I mean, I just keep going like a dog with a bone <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and it's kind of funny because if, if you, did you see Tony Robbins, um, Netflix special? No. All right. So on that Netflix special, the, I am not your guru, he says, you know, I had a bad childhood, but I'm so grateful for that because it made me the man I am. And so I'm almost there. I don't know if I can say that I'm I'm grateful for the fact that I was brutalized, but I'm, gra- I'm thankful that I don't remember it all now, you know, if I were to remember it all. And, and I might before I die and I might not. But, it, you know, I, I think that it would be it would be a traumatic. Right. You know, so for anybody else who's like that, like like there, there are plenty of women who follow me who have I mean, when you look at the statistics, it's it's one out of four and probably closer to one out of two girls who are or any any you know women who who are sexually molested in this country and maybe even throughout the world so for for somebody who has um you know something like me like you know has a repressed memories or anything like that what what are your recommendations for that
1: you've already said something <laughs> them. You, know, you know the. I think in my office, what I see the most is that learning how to separate out the past from the present, being able to stay in this moment, identify with this moment, and even when I've worked with the most severely dissociated and in a group, and had the name. What? How do you know when you're in the present moment? They actually can name it. You know. Okay. Talk about seeing things. You know, in perspective, not having black and white thinking. They, they feel a sense of ease and well being. They naturally know that state, but the other stuff. That's where this model comes in so helpful, This parallel lives, is these states occlude. They keep us from seeing the present moment. But when you begin to separate that out and say, oh, here I am in this moment, pausing, slowing down, doing whatever we can to walk away from the activation, that helps the body calm. Then you have more perspective. And then you can choose. Knowing that the past is invading the present is a key thing both in attachment work and in trauma. When you know that this past is coming in, then you can say, "Okay, wow, that's happening." How do I move away? So those there's,
0: are key things. There's a book I read. I started reading. I don't think I finished it by David Re- Richo. I think when the past yeah, when the past, past is present.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I have read that one. Right.
0: Yeah, but he wrote a really good book called "How to Be an Adult in Relationships," and mm-hmm. and uh, there's like five you know, pillars of of how to be an adult in a relationship. And um, I was, you know, Hal Elrod wrote this book called The Miracle Morning, right? And so I read that book several years ago. And part of my morning routine of uh, when I was doing Miracle Morning was to read a book for 20 minutes. That was part of the deal. And so I read this really hard book, this how to be an adult in relationship 20 minutes at a time, because, man, that that's a tough. Have, have you read that book?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's too, the reason it's hard, it's, it's bringing up all this stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then he wrote this book out, When the Past is Present, and I thought, you know, that might be helpful for me. And then I just, you know, I could be an adult and read this book, <laughs> but I, I just, I didn't finish it. But, you know, one of the things is, is that I've found, there's there's a couple things I want to go into, but one, one thing I found that if you have a hard book, so I'll just give this little tip. If you have a hard book, the way to do it is to read it and, you know, take, take like, set a timer 10 or 15 minutes and read and then stop. And then, I mean, it took me, it probably took me three months to read that book, but I would have never read it otherwise. And it was a really helpful book, but I wanted to go back and talk to you for a second about dissociation or dissociative behavior. And, and kind of what that means, because remember my audience is not medical and it's not uh, psychology, you know, for the most part, it's just, you know, ladies living their lives. And so I, I want to understand what, what that means, what, what dissociative, what dissociation is and, and what brings it on and that sort of thing.
1: Well, we have typical dissociation, you know, if I'm busy, my mind is crazy and I go downstairs and I say, where did I put that? Happened the other day. I went to the massage therapist. I didn't have my check. I thought I brought the check. Where did I? Oh my god, it? Go? That's a, just a simple everyday dissociation.
0: That's not brain fog. It sounds like brain <laughs> fog. Call, brain fog. <laughs> it sounds like a menopause symptom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a whole spectrum of dissociation from the very ordinary. Yeah. What you described earlier on when you woke up and you said, Oh my God, I finally woke up. There was something you said
0: Yeah, I was in fifth grade. When I woke up, I was like, what happened last year?
1: right exactly yeah so what happened last year so that's on the further end of dissociation when we think about you know there's many ways that can show up or we literally forget we did something or some part of us takes over something that we don't know about so there's all that whole spectrum okay but the more we normalize it really all it's trying to do is dissociation is trying to help us cope with life and there's a good way to do it like you're being able to and all of us being able to put our stuff in the past and say, I'm not going to deal with it right now. That's dissociation. Not bad. But what do we do later on? Do we incorporate it? Do we bring it back and do we link it back up? Like Even if you're reading a book that's hard, during that 20 minutes, read a little bit when you feel your body get activated. Slow down right. What's activating? What's going on in here? Not just in the book. Start naming and labeling what's going on in here. and doing this process of disidentifying I am not that because when we get activated, our nervous system takes over and we're like, Oh my God, this is me. It's uh, right. Right.
0: Changing uh, our identity to Yeah.
1: Right. Flip right there. So our task is, okay, wow. It's not happening now. This is, you know, that act, this is a trigger. I'm activated. Let me yeah. see if I can find out about that rather than being the trigger.
0: So in terms of like recognizing when we're triggered, What do you think is the best skill that we could give our audience today to recognize what's happening? I mean, like what a trigger is or, you know, and how to see and and then and then give like, like I'd like to give, you know, the women who are watching and the men um (laughs) tools that that like when they because because this may be the very first time that they're actually seeing this may be like a huge aha for a lot of women about oh my god this is what's been happening like for the last 30 years right so what's some tool that we can give them number one to recognize how um you know how they're being triggered and number two just a tool to kind of come back into who they are let
1: me give you another little drawing
0: then great if we
1: um what we're trying to do always is we live within what we call a window of tolerance. This is the research of Dan Siegel. And, okay. Um, if we live in this window of tolerance, then we can deal with whatever goes through here, right? But let's say uh, we're, we get activated or something bad happened. We literally start narrowing that window. We live in a smaller And our task is actually to open up that window of tolerance, to be able to tolerate way more than we could back here. How to become an adult. This is really the process of being an adult. And if we have good enough caregiving, somebody's going to be there. Oh, honey, that it's all right. It's just a dream. It's just a dream. You can go back to sleep. Calming and reassuring. like, Oh, I can handle it. We can let life roll through us. Now, if we can, not when something happens, we're like, like here, right? We're all freaked out. Well, how do we get ourselves back? We have to breathe, slow down, enter this. And then over time we take, we get activated. We reach this little level and we think, okay, how I'm triggered. I'm activated. This is horrible. I want to get back in here. I want to get into this optimal zone. Or if I'm shut down, how do I like, okay, I need a break. I need to just come back in here. So. There's many ways that people do it, but this is an ideal way of looking at it. So,
0: so, but it starts with awareness. It starts with awareness. And, and, and I think one of the best ways to learn how to become aware is to actually take the time to meditate or to sit.
1: Slow down. Yeah. Madeline Langle used to say the best thing we can do is just keep a daily journal. Just write, write, write. You are then observing what's going on in life
0: that's true meditation
1: is a great thing but if you can't slow it down i'm going to be doing a course in the fall we call living untriggered you know looking at the four components of meditation self-compassion mindfulness being able to concentrate being able to be with non-duality be with nothingness and know that we're all one but that piece about concentration if i'm triggered I need to be able to go where I want to go instead of being pulled by all these pieces. So I have to cultivate that capacity to focus. You had that early on. That's a native quality of yours. You yeah. came into this lifetime with that. That's easy for you. For many people, it's not. So
0: so what? tell me more about your course that you're teaching.
1: Uh, we teach a bunch of them, but the one that's coming up will be living untriggered, and it really just goes through these four different segments, weaving together all the pieces to help people live an untriggered life.
0: And is that is that a live course?
1: It, it'll be live, and um, you know we have a whole curriculum for it, and done it for years. I'm, you know, it's really what came out of all the work that I did on my own
0: life. That's great. When when is it?
1: I think we've set up
0: a. Oh, it's day. coming up.
1: In October,
0: November. Oh, okay, all right. And so, in terms of your of your um, of your live course, where is it? Where do you have the the, the courses? Uh, we do them online. I teach a
1: lot nationally and internationally live courses, but the online courses are everywhere. We have people from around the
0: world. And okay, so the course that you're that you have coming up is going to be online, but live. Yes. Oh okay. All right. So anybody from anywhere can sign up as long as they can get there at a time, you know, and then during I do the time. Coaching
1: along the way to help people really put it into practice.
0: Okay. Uh, sure. So so there's the opportunity to work with you in terms of your your online uh live courses and then also there is an opportunity for live coaching, one-on-one coaching with you. Kind of similar to what we're doing right people
1: now. People in the community who have done the course and really use the skills, so it gets more, you know, real.
0: Right. So you have the community, you have a community of people who've gone through your courses and then they kind of self-coach each other and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, that that's always really, really nice to see. And you have a quiz, right?
1: We do, the profile, relationship profile.
0: So t- can you just tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure, it's uh, dfay.com backslash profile. Well,
0: we'll link it up, we'll link it up in the show notes. So we'll make sure that, that they can get to it from the show. But
1: It's really looking at the different... Relationship profiles and what are the benefits and drawbacks because each of them has their benefit and drawback and just giving you more awareness so that you have more access to yourself.
0: Yeah,
1: and do the other steps to help you change the, the way you interact and the lives that you have with yourself and with other
0: people. So the self discovery is like what your relationship type is and then how you're gonna how you can re uh, interact with other people. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. Well, I think I think I want to have you back. I think that, uh, yeah, Yeah,
1: probably thrilled to talk to you. It's great. Yeah, no,
0: this is, this has been really good. I'm just really glad that you came and spoke to us today and I'm, I'm excited to, uh, kind of delve into this a little bit more. I'm probably going to buy one of your books and try and read it with the the 20 minutes. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I'm reading, um, I'm reading this book right now called self-directed behavior. Have you, heard of that one. It's, a, it's another psychology textbook. I'm actually using it in my membership to, uh, help, uh, help the women do behavior change. And so I'm, I'm actually going through parts of it, like, you know, how to beat prote- procrastination, how to change, you know, if you want to change some sort of behavior and, uh, it's a really fantastic book. And I've found that, that there's so many good nuggets in it, that it's really good for, for my, my members who've gone through my course, self-directed, um, what? self-directed behavior. But anyway, um, but so, so I'm, so this, this is a really good, uh, good book. And I think that, that I can use some of your, you know, if, you know, I read your books and probably use some of your techniques as well in the membership. I
1: Definitely the BSE, the Becoming Safe and Body. I'll send that out today. I get um, my team to send that to you. Sure. To the book. And they're so simple that for years I thought, what good does this do anyone? I know it changed my life and it's helping people. But the fact that that's what it is, and we think about it when I learned about attachment theory and think about guidance and mentoring, what that is all about is how do we scale something, take tiny steps so yeah. that somebody can put the scaffolding inside. And that's what these skills do, just simple little things.
0: Well, you know, that goes back to constant, never-ending improvement, right? And Kaizen, where you just want to get 1%, you know, what's, and then, you know, what, what our mentor Ryan likes to say is, you know, what's the next step that we can do right. that is so small that it's impossible to fail? Exactly. You know, and so, and so we get, we get, um, you know, we, we, you know, the whole idea is to get to get to a point where 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 we're in in this space of constant never ending improvement, I like to tell uh, people that you know the, the women who follow me every Monday I say, okay, what are you going to do this week? What are three things that you're going to do that's going to move you closer to your goal so that you are happening to your to your week and to your day and to your you know that's how you
1: do that. oh, that's yeah right?
0: yeah so every every week I do that so that because you know one of the things that I think that 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 it takes time for us to really understand is that our whole life happens here. Uh, You know, it it may seem like it's happening out there, but everything out there is a dream. And and everything that, that really happens is what's happening in between our heads. And that's where we have control and we can change the narrative. We can change our stories. So if you don't like what's happening, if you don't like your life, if you're complaining a lot, what you can do is you can look at your stories and see, is that story serving me? And if it's not, then change it. There's a few things that we can't change. We can't change the fact that gravity sucks. We, <laughs> we can't change that. You know, it, it things are going to fall at 9.8 meters per second squared. That's a, that's a universal law, but we also have universal laws like the law of attraction. And if we can get into the right vibratory space, anything that we want or need, is going to come to us. That is another law, but we have to, you know, we have to take the steps that are, that's necessary. We have to do the work to get to that space. And that's, that's where you know, I think like looking at attachment and, and, um, looking at where we're triggered and things like that can really help us. So,
1: right. and if you, cause if you don't do that, you're going to keep attracting the old stuff.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, Esther Hicks likes to say, you know, you got to find out what you don't want. So you know what you do want. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's, um, that's what she likes to say. And, um, well, I don't love, I don't love Esther Hicks. I, I do. There's a couple of things she says that I, that I do like, but, you know, for the most part, I'm still, I'm still very skeptical about, about channeling some sort of being. Um, (laughs) So, so I still have my own skepticisms as a scientist. Um, But anyway, I want to be mindful of time. So thank you, Deirdre, for for coming Uh on. Um, We're gonna we're gonna hook up all of your your books and uh, your quiz in our show notes so that the that the audience can go ahead and and get involved. So I really appreciate you coming on today, and uh, we'll have you back hopefully soon. You're the best. All right, Thanks. thanks a lot. All right. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life, and to really take hold of our lives in menopause. We have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement.